0: So you can just imagine. They had to trust the mighty power of God. Now before the water of the Jordan stopped flowing and piled up in a great heap, in a distance away, as the Bible says, Joshua commanded the people to be ready in anticipation of the crossing. He had probably told them how God determined to get on the other side. In the finest of detail, they were arranged according to their families and clans under the leadership of the elders. We can just imagine how we would have felt on that remarkable day. On the one hand, the excitement that we at last now, after all the years of wandering in the desert, could enter into our promised land to see how God would provide as he had promised. He said, wherever you put your foot down, that will be yours. That was on the one hand. On the other hand, how do you get there? It sounds and it feels like an impossibility. So close, yet so far. And then Joshua had to point out a few things to them so that they could strengthen their faith. Put yourself in amongst the people of Israel. Your leader called you and said, God wants you across. Yes, but what about the river? Well, God will take care of that. How's that? Well, I don't really know, but God says he'll take care of that. Has this ever happened before? Well, yes, forty years ago, the Red Sea did the same thing,, yeah, but I was not there. I, uh, I was not part of it. Everyone who died in the, uh, of that generation died in the desert. So uh, I, I don't know. Uh, Joshua, you're really sure this is going to work? Well, that's the only way. You better do it. that That's the only way that there is just no other way. And then Joshua took them through a bit of catechism to show them who God is. And I think once they understood who God was, they could follow, even if they looked at a wall of water standing against all forces of nature and all losses, laws of nature, and they could could go through it. Joshua made it clear to them that they should be, first of all, distance between them and the ark. The ark was a symbol of God's presence with them. The ark would go... Ahead of them, as a symbol of God going ahead of them, showing them the way, as he had done in the past. Because the the, the people of Israel would not uh, move from one place to the other in in the wilderness unless the pillar of cloud would move, and then they would pick up the ark and go. And here it's the same thing. God goes ahead of his people. As a matter of fact, when the feet of the priest carrying the ark touched the water of the Jordan, The Bible says the water stopped flowing. God ahead of his people. What a wonderful and assuring grace this is. When God is ahead of us, when God is for us, nothing can stand in his way and nothing can stand in our way. This makes the the apostle breaks out in a song. What shall we say about all these things? If God is for us, who is against us? And more than that, we can sing... He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him over for us all, how will He not also with Him freely give us all things? But, because God is holy, there is a distance between Him and us. Although He is our friend and our Savior, we must always remember that God is far more than a human being. He is holy. And Joshua then commanded the people in, in verse 4 of chapter 3, However, there shall be, uh, be between you and the, dist- and the ark about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you shall go. We can never deal with God in a human way. We can never sit with our hands, if I may say so, around the shoulders of God. The only way we can come close to God is in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And therefore the only way we can stand before God is to be on our knees before Him. That's the best way. That's where we get the blessing of the Lord. We should never, never develop a sense that that God is less holy than He was in the Old Testament. We should never develop a sense that, as we might find in our day, that We can just deal with the holy things as if they're not holy. Remember the holiness of God. When you remember this, the crossing of the Jordan on dry feet becomes possible. He also points out to them in chapter 3, 10, that God is a living God. God is not an idea or just a force, or even as people would think today, a source of energy. God is the living God who reveals Himself uh, as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is the personal God who makes the lives of His children on the face of the earth while they are on their way to the promised land of heaven. His business. He goes before them. He lives with them and He protects them even from behind. Joshua said to the Israelites, But this you shall know that the living God is among you, The living God is among you. You want to cross? You want to go into the promised land? God is with you. It seems impossible, but God is the living God. The way the living God acted on their behalf would be known to them in the way he would command the water of the river to dam up and not to flow. This way he would open the way for him in the same way as we learn of our Lord Jesus Christ who is our only way to the Father. Just as the Israelites were not at liberty to cross where they wanted, so anyone should know that Christ is the only way, the only door to eternal salvation and he is alive. He is the living God. He secures the victory for the battle against the enemy. The text says, he will dispossess the enemy. And this is what Christ did for us. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 2.15, When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. This is our God. He is a holy God, he's a living God, but he's a faithful God. When the Israelites would see what's happening in front of their very eyes was the promise that God had made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jacob being fulfilled. This is the promise made hundreds of years before when the Lord declared to Abraham, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. There they will be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. But I will also judge the nation whom they serve. And afterwards they will come out with many possessions. This is what's happening now. God was fulfilling his promises because he is a faithful God. He had rescued them out of Egypt by wonders and miracles. He had victory over the armies of many people and the enemy in the desert. He had provided for his people food and drink and and water, manna, quails, water out of a rock even. To extend to the extent that the soles of their sandals—that's amazing thing to see—the soles of their sandals and the clothes never wore out. Deuteronomy chapter eight verse four. So, by the way, if you think this is not possible, well, I got it from the Bible. Okay, the living God was the faithful God. He says, "I'm going ahead of you." More abundantly was the provision for eternal life in Jesus Christ. He became our Paschal Lamb. And by his blood we are saved from death and destruction. He opened up the heavenly inheritance, and by his righteousness, we are made children of God. Hear this word from Romans chapter 8:17, "If we are children, as also as of God and fellow as of Christ." That is an amazing statement. He is our Joshua, leading us to victory over the enemy. He empowers us by his Holy Spirit to remain faithful and to overcome even in times of fierce battle. Therefore, we should not give up. But he is the only God. Joshua impressed on the hearts of the people that the day, on that day that the Lord is the only God. He uses a special phrase here in verse uh, 9 and 10 the lord of all the earth the lord of all the earth to the israelites it meant that their god is indeed the god of gods he is all-powerful almighty holy living when they came in contact with the gods of the nations where they were to possess they could know for sure that these gods are nothing in comparison with the living god God actually demonstrated his power over the gods in miraculous ways afterwards. You, you, you can remember how old Dagon, you know, the, the old God, he, he fell over when he was put in the presence of the Ark of the Lord. He fell over. They picked him up the next day and fixed him, patched him up. He, he fell over again. Uh, he, he, no God can stand against God. The bowels were were dumb and silent on Carmel when when Elijah prayed, why, God is the living God. He is the only God. But it also means this that God is not limited to a certain sphere of power. He is God of all the earth. God of all the earth. He is God of the waters in the Jordan. So, by the way, who put the waters there in the first instance? God. Who made the river? God. Who gave the rain? God. That's our, that's our understanding of who God is. And we understand this. He, we understand this, that he, he's not just God with inside the church. We, we don't need to fear when we go out of here and face the world outside and say, well, we worship God inside and the, the other people have their gods outside and now we fear and tremble. No! He's God of all the earth. He's a living God, and he promised to be with us in the Lord Jesus Christ till the end of the earth, this age. It was told of, I think it was Brother Andrew, when uh, he was about to address a huge meeting in the, uh, when was that, in the 60s or somewhere. Someone ran up to him and said to him, Brother Andrew, I've got news for you. God is dead. And Brother Andrew looked at him and he said, Are you sure about this? I just talked to him. That is how we should think about God. And that's what Joshua wanted the people to think about God even before they crossed. What what was seemed to be the impossible is not impossible in the hands of the only one living holy God. Our savior is Christ, and he is the only savior. His blood is all sufficient. He is Savior to the nations. He's not a Savior of one nation. He is our protector. He is our Joshua who helps us knock over the enemy as we follow him in the footsteps of sanctification. He chained Satan and threw him into the pit where he will remain until the Lord has accomplished through his word and by his church what he ordained from all eternity. He listens to our prayers. He intercedes for us at the the footstool of the Father. And one day he will return with final victory over the enemy. All power and authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. And there is no title which he he has not assumed. We need to remember this in our pilgrimage to heaven. But God is almighty too. Who can call the forces of nature to command him to, to fall before his command if it's not God. Although he made all things to operate according to the laws he assigned to them, and thank God for that, well, we can see that there are things happening according to a certain pattern so that we would have seasons, and we know that within this season we may plant, we may do things. we may We may expect the sun to rise tomorrow. Why? Because God assigned laws for it. But he also, he who created the heavens, the nature and the laws of nature, is no prisoner of what he has made. Sometimes he does the impossible, which we may define as impossible only because we did not create it. He is the only creator who can, distant from what he has made, outside of what he has made, take what he had made, and control it in such a way that he would accomplish what he wants, we looked at it last week. How he could just command the sun, just hang in there for a while, and the sun did that. It was normal for the Jordan to flow onto its banks in uh, in rain season. It was wonderful; it was a gift to the people who could prepare for the crops and get it into the ground before the rains and the flood season. And when it was time, the rivers would swell and overflow to irrigate the crops of those who are farmers on the banks of the Jordan, there was no interruption of the seasons, even, if we, even as we know it today. But it might please God to sometimes interrupt this process, because he who determined the laws in the first instance might want to show his, proper, his power and majesty, not to show something of a show of force, but he does in such a way that he would reveal himself as the God of salvation. And this is exactly what happened on that day between uh, on the Jordan, uh, Jordan between uh, Shittim and Jericho. God commanded the waters to stop. He did so in the midst of the annual flood. Not just a little trickle there in dry season. In the flood so that no one can turn around and say, well, it was only possible because of this and that. It was the impossible thing. As a matter of fact, let's just stand still to contemplate the reason why this statement was included into the Bible. If you were to write the Bible, just for one moment, think to yourself, you would write the Bible, and you would know that if you write down these things, and you say, I believe in what I'm writing here, people might turn around and say that "You, you must be a fool to believe this. So what would you do? You'd probably not include that into your story, isn't it? You'd probably say, "Well, to 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 uh, not be in the position where people might ridicule me, I will not do." It. And uh, well, and even if it was there, I will just sort of mumble when I get that to that point. You know, what is that you say? Oh, Jordan. You know. No, let's be clear about that. Okay. Well, God commanded the word. Well, that's impossible. Well, it was impossible. It was impossible, but not for God. Wouldn't it be easier to have it otherwise? But God included that. And it's the same with the impossibility surrounding the birth, the crucifixion, the resurrection and the ascension of our Lord. It is hard to understand, especially if we look at it from an unbeliever's point of view. But we shouldn't and we may not. And Therefore we need to pray that God will take the blindness of our eyes and remove it so that we can see beyond the impossible and believe the impossible. So everyone was lined up according to their clans and according to their families and according to their tribes. And there were quite a few of them. It was just not like a handful of people. We're talking about three and a half million people. And the priests took the ark, carried it by the handles that God himself had commanded them to make in a very special way. And they started moving forward. And as soon as their feet touched the edge of the water, it stopped flowing. I find it amazing that the Lord had not did not command the waters to stop flowing about twelve hours before it would be easier, isn't it? It would be easier for those to believe, well, God can do that now I can walk through now you walk, you follow, even if it seems impossible, and they did, and God kept word in He promised. And then they brought out the the stones and and, and they they piled it up as a sign of their salvation. The the nation crossed on dry feet. First of all, they were saved and then they got the sign. It's not that they were given the sign beforehand and then they were saved. That's a very important thing that we remember even when we get to the Lord's table. Uh, A sacrament is a sign of things which God accomplished. We are not accomplishing it by using the sign. You see the difference? It's not like we are now being saved in the present continuous tense by partaking of the sacraments. We are saved. We look back on the cross. We look back on the open grave. We look back on the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. We look back on all these things. That's why we don't have blood here this morning. We have symbols of the blood. We have symbols of the body of the Lord. They stacked up and piled up these stones. Why? Well, if your children would ask you, what are they for? Then you tell them that God achieved the impossible to bring us across from the other side into the promised land. Why do we have communion? What are the signs? What do they mean? Why the wine and the bread? God instituted that and He says, Now every time you eat and drink, remember that you are on this side because Jesus crossed before you. And now by faith, you are a citizen of heaven. And what we are enjoying here today is just a shadow of what's coming. Because there we will sit at the table of the Lamb and He will feed us. And we will be dressed in white robes because we are righteous in him. And we will be called the bride of Christ. And we will celebrate his love for us and his sacrifice. Now, just don't sit there this morning and receive the wine and the bread and you think about what's on the stove this afternoon, what you're going to have for lunch or where you're going to go the afternoon. Don't allow that to happen. Because these are holy moments that you and I can set aside everything and we can, we can really enjoy God's provision in Jesus Christ so that you may know that you are saved. And it, look, you're not saved because of the sacrament. We, we have to say that over and over again. The sacraments are the sign of salvation. You have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to see this, all of this, make sense in your life. But if you do believe, can I just imprint that? That's how the Lord says to, we should do it, in remembrance of Him. And maybe we should ask the Lord today, Lord, just take us for, for a few minutes out of this world and by faith give us a glimpse of what's, what's prepared for us in heaven so that with joy, we can sit at this table. But as we do so, and we see the glory of the hope that you and I confess, that we will say, Lord, now cleanse me and prepare me for that day. May this be true. Well, it is possible, and it was made possible because of Jesus Christ. Because our God is holy. He is a living God. He's a God of all the universe. He's a God who makes possible the impossible. He's a powerful God. And he gave us a sign so that you and I can come back every now and again, now and again to be renewed in our hope. This is what we are going to do just now. Let us pray. Our Father, now we thank you that we may, that we could look at the Bible And hear the word of God speak to us to once again help us to understand that you have given us this because, because Christ Jesus has gone ahead of us. By faith we follow. By faith we are already on the other side. And these signs would point us that way. Give us, Lord, ready hearts in the name of Christ. Amen.